You're about to listen to an interview which our socios enjoyed in full 12 months ago. If you'd like to listen to these exclusive monthly big interviews on the day that they're released, it's time to join us. That means supporting us. It means the price of a pint per month. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Graham Hunter. Go now, join and become a socio. That means you'll get that extra big interview every month. And you'll also unlock our entire archive straight away, all for £2.99 a month. It's the best deal in town, baby. And we need you. Whenever you speak to Quentin Fortune, what you're guaranteed to get is his joy at a life spent in football oozing out of him, which is why we chose him to begin this new season of The Big Interview. He was a participant and a witness when the senior players at Manchester United teased the life out of Cristiano Ronaldo, basically telling him that almost everything he was doing was wrong. Stepovers, clothes, teeth, skin. And therefore Quentin is a great raconteur to tell us about the moments that pushed and frustrated Cristiano Ronaldo into becoming one of the great modern footballers. There's Roy Keane kicking him too. And Quinton, first-hand, knows some of the pearls of Manchester United's youth system who will undoubtedly push through and make Manchester United as exciting as they were under Alex Ferguson. A good raconteur and soon to be a coach playing attractive Pep Guardiola-style football. His licences are ticking off one by one. Quinton Fortune is a terrific and entertaining way to begin a new season. The way I understood South African football, and I watched some of the club football as well, that if you could harness the natural talent that Rob was explaining to me mm. about that time, oh my we're goodness. all for entertainment. Yeah. And the guys who can do brilliant things and then lay off the pass yeah. or make sure that the tackle's made or be right positionally or score the goal, whatever. Once you put all of that together, yeah. it's the magic of football. We played now a game when I was involved now with the national team with Stuart Baxter uh, against uh, Burkina Faso. You were assistant coach, assistant. Stuart was the coach. Yeah. And we played, we beat uh, Burkina Faso at home at the FNB 3-1. Now, if you can get the goals from that game, the skill, there's the players show the skill, but while they were doing the skill, it was going somewhere and it was, boom, ended up in a goal. And everyone was like, wow, that's amazing. And that's South African football at, at its best mm-hmm. because we're encouraging the players, don't take the skill, don't not do it, do it. But there's got to be end product, and when they did it with end product, oh my goodness, it was like it was a joy to watch. This is what's in front of you. This is the success of coaching. When you can coach yep. people and notice the difference and yep. win, then it's a fulfilling line of work. You know that I, I'm not one of those that likes to to play the Messi Ronaldo game because mm-hmm. it's obviously for anybody who's yep. got a thinking brain, we're just privileged that we're alive oh, when they're both yeah. at their peak. Yeah. So. I've no need to compare, but we're recording this at a time when Cristiano is is taking his first steps in Turin, his first steps at Juventus. Now, he's a big old brute of a man now. He owns everything that he touches. 
and therefore he's not going to be timid, he's not going to be um, finding his way, everybody's going to salute him everywhere he goes, probably including Maxi Allegri. Mm. But it wasn't that way when he came to United. No, when Ronnie arrived, was um, we played against him, at Sp- against Sporting, on our last game of the pre-season. We just travelled from America, and I remember after the game, I think Roy Keane was saying, I think that was one more too much, because we, we were bad, we finished. But that's our excuse. I felt for John O'Shea, because he played on John O'Shea's side, and he was just... John was a full-back that day? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Ronnie... Ronnie was just outstanding. What, did you know anything about him before you no. played that game? No. It's just end of pre-season. Well, we've got a game against Sporting Lisbon. Yeah, there's a new stadium. That I think they just opened. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he building was, towards the Euro champs. Yeah, he yeah. was outstanding. Even watching him while we played against him, he was just step over, cutting inside, both feet, just a little bit Johannesburg. Yeah, and that was his mentality at the beginning. He just wanted to embarrass people. I remember when he arrived there, he just he was he was happy just killing players in, in games and training, and he would come and speak to me like this one, and we would I was like laughing. But at the beginning, he just wanted to make sure he's going to destroy whoever was in his way, and enjoy that. He enjoyed that challenge. But for me, the, the the thing that made Ronaldo so special was his mentality, his attitude, that self belief. How can such a young player come with? Uh, the first person that told me this was Walter Di Salvo who said that Cristiano because they befriended each other because mm-hmm. as Cristiano adapted his mentality he realised he needed or, or as he watched around him mm-hmm. in that Manchester United training ground yeah. he realised that a lot needed to change not least his fashion sense which we'll come on to yeah. later oh my goodness but um, Di Salvo was one of those who helped him in his training regime and he always said to De Salvo and De Salvo told me that he was telling him that he wanted to be regarded as the best player ever mm-hmm. that that was his objective mm. that he wanted Ballon d'Or that he wanted to be the best player at United but he wanted to be he genuinely thought he could become the greatest player ever and that's he's never mind Messi yeah. or any of the stuff that's bedeviled him in the subsequent years yeah. and he still thinks that he should be considered as the best ever yeah. and that's what he's tilting at but like so when you you've always said that, that you love that mentality but when you first meet somebody who says I am the best I want to be the best does that automatically click with you did it automatically click with everybody because again I know there were people in that that United environment mm-hmm. who wouldn't have warmed to that yeah initially I, there must have been a few players definitely but um, and you could see it in training but I enjoyed uh, my time with Ronaldo because, first of all, the language. Because he came to me because I spoke Spanish. So he would speak to me in Portuguese. So I would translate for him. And if I even ne- needed help, I would kind of explain what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, if they needed to tell Ronaldo something, they would speak to me. And, and that's how we ended up having a, a great relationship. But I think in that environment, because he was showing it on the pitch and in the games... There wasn't much players could say to him at the end. Yes, he wasn't that the end product wasn't there yet, but what he was showing, everyone could see. This is ridiculous. He's unbelievable natural talent. Um, he was beating people. It is, but at the same time, he came with the confidence that he's telling people he wants to be the best. But until he brought that end product, mm. there was there was friction. There was friction because people wanted the ball at a certain time. And but Nistelrooy wanted. I mean, that's, yeah. that's famous because. Yeah. Again, I've been told by people who were there about mm-hmm. 
of a Nistroy reducing Ronaldo to tears yeah. because of his dad and Kiros is your dad. I don't quite mean that. Yeah. I'm interested in the positive way that learning off tough guys like Scholes and Neville and, and Rio and Keane. Yeah. What clearly happened was that young, um, unformed Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. um, sometimes too, because football environments can be rough oh, and, and demanding, and, and there's a lot of digging. He got it every day. He That's got, my point. He got it every day in training because when Ronaldo arrived, he was doing all the fancy stuff. Not fancy stuff, I'd call it, I like to say skill because he had yeah. the amazing ability. He was doing beating people, going by, and it was beautiful to watch. But then at times, obviously, players are clever. This is the high level, so it would just push you a nudge of the ball. And people would laugh, and like, we would tease him after, oh, you got weights. And this would eat him. Oh, my goodness. This would drive him absolutely mad. We would tease him, saying, ah, oh, David Beckham's jersey's still there, so he's just borrowing the jersey. You know, that spot, this would infuriate him. He was like, How? no, I'm the best. But he would go and do something he about it. He would go and train his socks off. Oh my goodness! This, this, that's why I say to to young players now, when I, try, I have the opportunity to speak to them, if you want to be anywhere near Ronaldo, you have to live for football, eat football, sleep football. This guy was you know, he was doing that every single day. Came into the training after training, I was fortunate to see it. He put on the ankle weights and do the stepovers, take off the ankle weights again, free kicks, sprinting, go to the gym, get stronger, and then. You could see it a few weeks. You see the difference. He, could, he was getting stronger. He was making more confident. People would be, and he was, he was enjoying it. He was like, yeah, no one pushed me off the ball, and he got stronger. He never wanted for us to tease him again about someone pushing me off the ball. You know, Rio told that story recently about how one day they were playing table tennis, and we oh, yeah. him, and he went away and bought yeah. a tennis table, tennis table, and practiced. Solely. It was a joke. The guy was <laughs> it's ridiculous. We would beat him maybe once, once a game, and he would. Honestly, we would enjoy that moment so much, Graham. Because we could tease him every single day. Ah, oh, Ronnie, don't worry about it. And we could see it was just... He, he'll come back the next week. He wouldn't lose another game. Yeah. He'll beat everyone. He was just obsessed with winning. Was there, Could there have been... Yeah, it's unfair to ask you, could there have been a better environment? But like when he was learning from those people... Oh. You, but Keane and Neville and Scholes and Giggs and Ferguson... Well, could could there really have been a better environment for this guy who wanted to soak up all the ostias and then it went again and go right? I'm going to change that. They'll never yep. do that to me. He he got the best environment. He was so fortunate the timing and, and and the blessing he had because the manager had the patience and the vision to keep playing him because the manager knew the potential and could see the desire and that's what sets him apart from all the young talented players. You could see the design running every single day. Like he starts the box, he doesn't want to give the ball away. Yes, he was doing the tricks, but he's not giving the ball away. He's not going inside the box today in training. So you, wait, you, when you say not going inside the box, that's United use boxes, but it's yeah. known around the world now as the rondos. Yeah. The concept's the same, but it's not a circle, it's a box. Yeah. And there were grades of boxes at United, yeah. weren't there? There was the elite Senior box, box yeah. and, and, you, and you say go in the middle. I mean, just describe that, just that, you know, what was the level of boxes, who played where, and what didn't he want to do when you say he didn't want to go in the box? Describe that. Well, this, you get to the box with, obviously, you get Giggsy, Scolzi, uh, Roy Keane, the senior players um, at that time, and then you get our box, the so-called youngers, and a few foreigners, and um, it's two players in the middle, um, and it's 10 by 10, and when you go in the middle, and at the box at United at that time, it could be a while before you get out. And that's, 
and that's why this is the simple things and that's the one I'm going to do my coaching badges now and then I have the opportunity to coach some players I say to them this is part of the game this is part of training yes we have fun but this is what you do this is when you watch Scolzi they're fizzing at the ball when I arrived at United I was watching them I was thinking what is going on here you watch David Beckham this is Roy Keane Dwight York Andy Cole one touch football but then they, we move into possession game they were doing exactly the same and you're wondering like oh because they started exactly there in that mentality I'm not going to the middle I'm mm-hmm. not going to give a ball away and this is what I try to encourage players it's something small but you have to train your mind like the way you touch it that small touch it can fizz into you take, taking the uh, the pace of it Scolzi was ridiculous I mean he was probably the best I've seen and then Ronaldo just took it to another level when Rooney arrived oh my goodness but just that mentality yes we have fun but you keep those being and you players. started this anecdote by saying that Cristiano although he had the tricks and some touch he, he, he groomed himself to say they're not going to put me in the middle yeah. even if they ping the ball at me my touch will be right or yeah. my layoff will be right he was a couple, the first couple of times when he arrived he was doing the tricks give the ball away and they are going in the middle but then we start taking the piss out of him and when you do that to Ronnie oh my goodness he quickly figures it out it reminds me of Beckham in that instance in that whoever in, throughout his career including Glenn Hoddle who you enjoyed training under at Chelsea pushed him down you knew he was going to push right back up again yeah. and in fact the best thing that could happen to Beckham was somebody crossing or somebody yeah. to go wrong because yeah. then it was like no yeah. I'm not having that well Ronnie got a couple of times in training people would go through him and he's like he figured it out like I had to be quicker to be stronger because obviously a couple of times you when he arrived he was diving a bit and quickly had to understand we don't do that here mm. you get up we don't dive over unless you just show your strength and he learned that in that environment so he wasn't told it he just saw it or he, people might have told him I think the, someone's manager probably spoke to him but the few players definitely made sure they let him know without speaking to him which means you get a couple of tackles in training and quickly realised that I need to be quicker here I need to think quicker I need to be stronger I don't want to be pushed off the ball players taking the piss out of me and stuff like that so, so we've sometimes talked about him together in a TV studio mm-hmm. and do you think there are there are times in his career where either his behaviour or his declarations about I'm not happy with them, how I'm treated at Madrid or the money or mm-hmm. some of the I mean the change of look is radical as mm-hmm. every kid is al- allowed to do it's between amazing. a kid and a man his teeth have changed his face has changed his clothes have changed you're smiling but that, that's just maturing and, and he's, yeah. he he likes his appearance yeah that's not a criticism of me but and it's a fact yeah but this is all st- I'm not saying because of us but we were teasing him on this stuff he's, when he arrived with all the stuff in his face we were teasing him about his teeth so all these were just like I said in the in environment in the hard environment anything a player can find to get you yeah, they will use every club. That this every is just club. club. His gear. Oh my goodness, his gear would be hanged up every day. We would abuse him for the tightest pants ever. He would wear. It was like Ronnie, that pants is tight, and he was like, "No, nah, that's great." No, Ronnie, there's a difference. <laughs> you could have air in between the pants, but that was him, and he he took it on board until he started to um, to be able to speak back. And when he was able to speak back, and oh my goodness, it was all over. But as you've enjoyed the rest of his career, do you, do you find it easier? Because some people, in my opinion, mm-hmm. don't appreciate what we've been seeing because they don't like plucked eyebrows mm-hmm. or they don't like the preening or his goal celebration. Mm-hmm. What occurs to me over and over again, mm-hmm. maybe because I'm a little bit older, maybe because I've got a little bit of common sense, mm-hmm. waking up 
yeah. in our working lifetime, we might not see this yeah. again. Ronaldo, what people see from the outside is, it's it's a it's a show. When you speak to Ronaldo, like this, like we do yeah. now, it's a different human being. Thank you. Can, can I offer what I think? Bright, often very witty. Yep. You know, definitely a funny guy, but a f- big working brain in there, no? Amazing human being. Um, does a lot of things, good things, in the choir that people don't know about. But this is probably want people to know that he does uh, good things. But um, amazing mother, um, family, sister, brother, good, good family uh, people. Funny, funny guy. Oh, my goodness. Just someone that I saw that took football to another level. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I've seen you coaching and, and I know your passion for the game, mm-hmm. your ability at the game and also I've seen in various different television studios your, your ability to analyse and compact information and share it in a way that people take things from. You've done your A licence. Done my A licence, just now last You're week in the middle of pro. applied for my uh, my, pro, my CV from a pro licence so I'm waiting to hear back from, the, from them to see if I'm, if I'm bored. So listen football world. You've got a bright, driven, still young, athletic, clever man here. Quinton Fortune needs to be given coaching opportunities now. But I have seen you as part of your A-licence coaching kids at United. Mm-hmm. And that was part of your development. I think there was something that we both liked mm-hmm. when we saw... And I'm now talking about Quinton Fortune, the future coach. Mm-hmm. talked about boxes at United training, but the, you know, the... Do you call it the cage? Yeah. At United? Or yeah, the cage, yeah. Describe it and what its ideas are for and, and what that means to you as somebody who might coach kids of that age. The cage is almost like the closest thing we're going to get to street football. Um, and, and I think they at United, they just want to encourage the players to... Because it's continuous football, the ball doesn't go out. So they just want the players to um, express themselves. Because when I was coaching that evening, they had like... Um, and the 14s and the 16s so they were playing different age groups and they just wanted to see that mixture and competing with each other which is great because that's what you get in the street you're not yeah. going to say okay and the 14s over there so it's what you had in the flats when, you, when your brothers gave you the chance it was amazing Yeah. so that's what they, they encouraged that and don't coach them just let them play so the coaches wouldn't get involved uh-huh. so you see that just round robin where one team's win and they get off and then, and the kids organise themselves the coaches will just sit back and obviously they need to step in if something goes wrong then they'll step in but other than that, other than that they just let them play and get on with it and people showing their strength someone showing a little bit of a bit of a skill all the coaching they've been doing probably during the week mm-hmm. you just want to see they take it on board ah. so uh, it's a great great exercise to do with the kids and I think they play once or twice a week in the cage brilliant do you think we see because having a look at the um, United Tour at the moment guy we watched that day mm-hmm. Greenwood 
Mason Greenwood and Chung, who was Player of the Year at youth level last season. There are others, but yeah. you know, what do you think of those two guys? And does that make it, it, it promising for what's coming at United? I think those two players are probably the brightest ones now. For Mason Greenwood, like I said, I don't know if I told you last time, but he's probably the, a player that reminds you of Rondo. Wow, the way he walks around, and it's a big thing to call, but it just. When I watch him sometimes in the way he moves, he's got that redondo style for me. And it's, it's been a while since I've seen a, such a young player take a free kick with both feet. I've seen him in games where he took a free kick with his left foot, and I've seen him in the same game with his right foot, and no problem. You couldn't naturally oh, easily tell which is the stronger. And that's, you don't see that anymore. You don't no. see, uh, I don't know if they still coach players that go both ways, but. He's just so natural. And, um, you see, I heard Arjun Robin the other day you know, arguing, saying, you know, I've got this brilliant left foot and I don't agree. He was mad because idealists like me might occasionally get things wrong. Mm-hmm. Once <laughs> no, or twice often, yeah. every ten years. We agree on that. <laughs> yeah. you, you think about the Dutch school that trained people like that, mm-hmm. that, that that's very street football oriented. Mm-hmm. If you think about the generation we watched or you played against, they had street football yeah. for real. Uh, the idea there, certainly the Ajax school, which he didn't come through, was you know you're you're ambidextrous for sure, and you must be able to understand. People t- think total football is just like the ball is beautiful all the time, but total yeah. football is the idea that you are absolutely aware of every position. Yeah. Robin was like, and you could deputise in every position because you go both feet, which is how you started mm. talking about Mason Greenwood and Fernando Redondo. Robin was like, you know, I've got brilliant left foot, and I don't like this idea that people say I should. You know, improve my right foot because why not just accept that I've got this brilliant left foot and put all the weight and all the mm-hmm. emphasis on the fact that this is world class and boost the strengths of what I've got rather than go and, and work on my right foot. Yeah. Now, for a guy who's had a career like his, three Champions League finals, winning one, scoring the winning goal in one, it was a really weird argument to hear. Yeah. And it's so different from the admiration which came from mm-hmm. you naturally about seeing a kid who's 17 who can take good free kicks with either foot yeah. you wouldn't know which is the strong one. Well, it's, 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 um, for me, the greatest player ever was Pele. Now, when you watch clips of Pele, who could score with both feet, Ronaldo does it now. Unless you're Messi, don't bank on your left foot. Or just, you got to go... Messi showed in the World Cup now. Nigeria. Nigeria. Boom. Yeah. And where he, he must have practiced because it just doesn't happen. It's one of his beautiful goals. With his right at foot. that stage, it might have saved the World Cup and he finishes with so-called weaker foot. Yeah. So it takes it, it practice. Um, I remember as a kid playing against the first team at, at, at Tottenham in the indoor facilities and watching Mickey Hazard. Wow. Now for those what who remember player. Mickey Hazard, oh man, oh my goodness! Talk about football education for myself and just sitting there or being in a game watching him and thinking, this is what I want to be like. I want to be able to my right foot to be as good as my left foot because you didn't know which way to show him. Yeah. When I arrived at United and I played professional football, players, people started to shout, show him this weaker foot, show him this weaker foot. And I had to practice, okay, I need to maybe use a swing now and then, but I wish I'd practice more and be able to go both ways. Because when Ronaldo did it, the great Ronaldo did it from Brazil, Neymar does it, because he's got that great balance when Neymar stays on his feet, which I just mm-hmm. make sure, Neymar, I love you. But. <laughs> Come on, bring bring the old Neymar back. See, this is this is Carrington already. And yeah. This is the cliff coming out. Like yeah. every player gets a so, slag, no matter who they are. So it's just you want to encourage young players today to to go both ways. It's a it's it's a beautiful thing to watch. And do you think Mason 
has got two feet naturally or he's trained himself? I think he trained himself because I watch him for a few years now. When, when I first saw him, I thought he was like just ridiculous when I first saw him. I always used to ask the coaches, how's he doing? How's the progress going? But I'm sure he, he, he must have practiced. I'm sure he, he, he's obviously had the ability, but it takes practice to, to be able to to do what he does. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Well, you watch any player, boom, step up, free kick, left foot. Uh, sorry, guys, I'll take this one, right foot. What's going on here? And you talked about this this concept of how he can play both feet, street football, the boxers at United. You know, some of that won the World Cup. Because when the game's in the balance, France, Croatia, that pass that Pogba makes, that right foot volley, it's just... That's scolzy. Yeah. Now, I love Pogba, but there was a period Scolzi came to train us um, with our under-21s when he retired. And that's probably the best education I, I would think any under-21 players got because they had Pogba, they had Adnan, Yanuse, they had Raval. And all these players got to be got to play with Scolzi and to, to see him first and mo- the movement, the touch it's the best education. That was a the, pass that, that Pogba made. Oh, it's Scolzi all day long. Yeah. This is from watching Scolzi, this is from being around the training ground. I'm sure Pogba's got it in his locker to do that but he saw it, he saw it in training and once you see stuff, you, you're in that environment you want to see, you want to, oh, okay, let's try that pass, let's practice this. I'm not saying he couldn't do that but from watching Scolzi, mm-hmm. he saw it every day. I know you always tell the truth, but did Scolzi really see passes two minutes before you did? Yeah. You told that yeah, and he told me. And I he was just, chair. honestly, he killed me that day in training. I just remember doing a pass and he, Grinny, yeah, Scolzi, you see that pass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it two minutes ago, I was like, Because wow. <laughs> I thought he was going to say something, uh, it's just, oh, he's just like, wow. But the guy was just, it was a, it was a joy. And like I said, for these young players like Paul Pogba, they went at that time around Scolzi. And Scolzi is probably one of his biggest fans. So when people see this quote about Scolzi, he just wants, he, he knows what he's capable of doing. And wants more from he him. He wants more from him because he knows he's got more to give. And, and now we could talk about whether, I don't know, people, including Wayne, might not want um, blue haircuts in the Manchester Derby and so on, but that's another subject for another day. No, but it's, it's unnecessary. Because he's not Manchester United. I know the times has changed, but and Manchester United was all about you play your football. That's it. No, all this other stuff. Scolzi was the best. Scolzi came in, train was amazing. Played his game, boom, gone home. That's what all the manager wanted. Compete every day. Roy Keane kept keep the standards, and the rest of the stuff, all that money and all that stuff that comes with it, will take care of itself. Once you take care of the football part, people can say whatever they want. It must be one of the reasons you succeeded, ability and athleticism aside. All you wanted to do was play football. Play football. It was about... So the fit between you and that Manchester United was really close. It was, it was amazing because I was getting players every day and training that could give me competition, which I had as a kid every day at school and the games on the football field when I played with my friends. And now I just get the opportunity to play at the higher level, at the highest level, against amazing world-class players. And they competed... This is perfect. Finish on um, what kind of coach would you like to be once? Because I, I will resent it when yeah. it happens, but it's what you want because you're very good on television. You're very good mm-hmm. at bringing the extra that former pro needs to give yeah. so that journalists and viewers and presenters can, can make a better job of what they're talking about. Yeah. And that's a fact. You're very good at it. 
that you, you, your ultimate goal is to not do that, is to be a coach. When you're coaching, you know, where do you envisage yourself coaching and what kind of coach do you envisage yourself being? <sighs> That's a great question. <laughs> First, I, I like to be a coach that encourages players because I know myself as a player that when I felt that a manager was encouraging me, it brings a different side of a player. And I know sometimes some players need to be treated differently, but I like to encourage players. I like to, for them to be able to express themselves and play with no... Of course, it, sometimes it, you need a little bit of fear because you want to win, but just express themselves and players that unselfish. Yeah, play for the team. Everything's about the team. Because once you do that, the individual ability will, will mm-hmm. shine. Once mm-hmm. you focus on working for the team and dominate. When I watch Pep and I hear him speak about like he wants to control the whole game I like to of all the coach I've learned I remember that time I played in the Samaritans just a simple throw in frustrates me sometimes because I think a throw in is also part of the game because you want to compete to win the ball but players now they just let them throw it in and then change the play that eats me and I remember watching uh, when I was at Bolton my time I spent with Samaritans he used to go crazy because it's just why would you just let him get out easy because when the ball's at the opposite end at your, at your goal they keep you in there but you just go let them change the play and then they go to attack and then you're wondering what's going on so don't be dominated don't give people easy don't space thinking time nothing. check and see if it's their day if the, if the touch is good or not if the throw's been taken well yeah. press press dominate when you have the ball like Pep now he wants to keep the ball with Sean O'Driscoll when I was at Doncaster, Doncaster yeah. he used to say to us um, when we score the first goal we go back to centre spot don't let the team now settle get the few passes no press them again because mm-hmm. psychologically they're probably down a bit go again finish them at United you score four goals sprint to the corner flag I remember playing a game and we were beating West Ham 4-0 or so end up 7-0 David Beckham sprint to the corner flag I'm thinking now in Spain it's like tranquilo where are you going more, but it's almost more. like you plant that seed for the next couple of seasons because when they come back to Old Trafford they know whatever the thoughts they had or planning is not going to happen I have a bit of the Alex mentality which create an environment a work a working environment um, Carlos Queiroz the tactical side of things uh, Antic um, he was amazing uh, just Arigo Saki oh my goodness I had spent a little bit of time with Arigo Saki and just to watch him how he now, wanted now that wasn't at Doncaster no. And that's the, one of the first things you said that really taken me aback that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. When Saki was coach at yeah, Atleti. Atletico Marilla. I didn't know that. Yeah. That you worked under Saki. That's that's a phenomenal teacher to have. And to watch his uh, being a training session and how he used to go crazy because he's put out the different colours and how he wanted the team to move as one. And if he didn't move as one, oh my goodness, he would stop training. He would go crazy. He'd drive the players crazy because mm-hmm. they just you just want to train as a player. You just want to get out and get the ball. No, repetition, move as one, boom, ball goes there. As soon as the ball goes there, you must know that... Everything automatic, as if you're all linked. You linked as together. if you're like table football players, where you all move in unison. He wanted to move, everything is to shut in training, everything move as one, as one, as one. If it didn't move as one, everyone's not, everyone in, in sync. We both know that's what Pep wants too. Um, and it's, it's highly organised as to what the movements are. But you, you've said something that people need to understand, that players initially when they're under Saki or under Pep and, and a coach intervenes all the time mm-hmm. it really pisses players off just, whereas if you're an outsider you think well of course if you're a coach a teacher yeah. a boss and you've got something to say you stop it and you teach them yeah. but 
players can get very itchy and jumpy about yeah. a coach always intervening and correcting them. And that's finding the balance. And I think, I think for, for us, for me and myself, my experience, I remember Saki coming out with his book every morning before training and he used to speak to the players. Now, this is before training started. Now, for me, in Italy, that's probably normal. When I was at my breast at time, that's normal. The coach comes out, he has a little talk. And I was like, oh, my goodness, just get the box up because it's like that the first thing you do is the box. Yeah. The gaffer hardly speaks to you. The gaffer speaks to you after training. He's walking off or comes to you during training, takes you to the side, have a few words. That's it. The, the assistant coaches all the training. Yeah, you're standing for half an hour. And you think, what is this guy talking about? He just want to train. So for me, all that experience that I've had and the, these amazing managers, um, of course, Alex was the best, and to, to kind of take all that information and trying to create, first of all, a great environment. Because when you have a great environment like, like we had at United, the rest will take care of itself. Because mm-hmm. when you can get players to train at the highest level without you being there. Because mm-hmm. there's days Alex wouldn't even be there, but the level was still, that's... Because you, sar- you had a lot of generals and a lot of sergeant majors in that dressing room. You had leaders. That was just amazing. Rio, for example. Rio. Gary, Kino. The Scolzi, Butty, the Nevs. But Kino for me was the highest because he Ultimate just, he just, warrior, he just kept he just kept the level there. And he just kept it real because he wanted us to train the way we played. And I remember uh, um, once in training, I shielded the ball of Kini and I'm at edge of my own box. And he just kicked me in and I was like, and Carlos stopped the training and I was like I'm, I got so angry and I was like why is he doing that and I just remember Keeney saying would you do that in the game and it just made me think because I know it's training but it just it just kind of left the thought in my mind what didn't he like you were shielding it what didn't he like that you wouldn't do it, that he, he was telling you you wouldn't do it in a game I wouldn't what? I would not in that or be so not, I wouldn't say lackadaisy because in that situation in the game I would probably play it simple ah. near my own box yeah and just get it moving ball Keep quickly. Keep it moving away. But I was shielding it because I was stronger now and I was more confident. And of course, it's Keeney. You want to have a bit of competition with Keeney, but he just left it to me as he ran away. He said, would you turn in the game? No. So he just wanted us to make, you know, be switched on, do things properly. Uh, all the time, as all you the would time. do if it was a final or all the time. Premier League derby. When you play the box, pass properly. if it's Wembley. Pass properly, okay. because when you come to the game... And that is why I keep emphasizing to, 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 to people that when we used to play the game on a Saturday or Sunday or during the week, the battle was already won because the way we trained, yeah. Yeah. it was just ridiculous. I was never going to get an opponent as good as Giggsy on a Saturday afternoon, a Scolzi, a Keeney, a Bex, a Yorkie. This one by competition every single day. Train brutally hard so that playing's fun. Playing was a joy. Because you give it the Scolzi, you know, it's just keep on running he'll find you Beckham you know as the ball goes wide get in the box he'll find you and that was just repetition and like I said you, once you as a manager can achieve the level where you're not there and they still keep that level enjoy yourself I get the impression you're going to be a, a special coach I hope so I, I could listen to that in a dressing room if I was a sort of 17 year old future pro we should mention before we let you go your academy I've started uh, uh, Quinton Fortune Academy I've been very fortunate Graham um, a few years ago in South Africa, uh, in Cape Town, I had a club called FC Fortune. This is the time I played with United. And the idea was simple. was um, Someone gave me the opportunity, and I just wanted to um, find the best young players in South Africa and give them the opportunity. Unfortunately, that didn't work out because people wasn't taking care of the club properly. So I had to stop that. And a few years later, which was some over my mind, two gentlemen here in Manchester approached me saying they just wanted to use my name. I said, no, 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 I want to be involved because I just don't like to give my name. I want to see how you're going to run the, 
the academy and that's how we all started so well we've been putting everything together for the last two years and it's been running for a few months so it's basically kids from 5 to 13 years old and we just coach them the the end product would be one day to bring kids from South Africa and coach them here and hopefully give them an opportunity to play in Europe well what we can do for sure is you can keep us up to date with how that's going Brilliant. if there's a way that the big interview can help mm-hmm. in one way or another then we will do for the moment if they're getting this level of experience and input from you and if the teams that you coach do they're going to not only develop but they're going to enjoy themselves um, you used the word a couple of minutes ago uh, Quinton this has been a joy yep brilliant <laughs> thank you hopefully you enjoyed that big interview which was first released as an exclusive to our socios 12 months ago If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day that they're available, it's time for you to join us, to become a socio, and for only £2.99 a month, you will get an exclusive big interview, plus regular mini-documentaries, not only all ad-free, but all featuring me, and bringing you interesting, funny, and sometimes scandalous things from Spanish football. Go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. That means that once you join, you will have a treasure trove of interviews with funny, elite, interesting, revelatory, top-class footballers. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast. You will help to keep us on the road, interviewing people and sending that content for your delectation. If you go to the gym, you'll be slimmer. If you've got a dog... He or she will thank you. If you've got a TV, you can turn it off and listen to this instead.